0: Well, sure, I drove the thing twice, but only because I didn't have any choice. Look, I don't want people saying that it makes me a soldier or anything.
1: So, when the fighting starts again and you refuse to use it, are those gonna be your last words, huh? (sighs) At the moment, you and I are the only ones who can protect this ship. But I don't think it's... Kira, you have the power to make a difference, don't you? Then why not put it to good use?
2: welcome to it's a Gundam the episode by episode Gundam seed yeah. podcast with your hosts including me Jeremy
0: my spirit animal is a gym I'm Tyler a
2: gym a gym a, a gin
0: no a gym oh GM uh,
1: that's why I, I've usually heard this reference as a okay.
0: gem
2: my name is Zach gyms versus gins uh definitely gins gyms have guns or <laughs> 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 That again gyms have beam weapons though
0: yeah, but gins look cooler, so it's popularity contest for who would win in a fight. Because I think the answer is Batman.
2: <laughs> Always Batman. This week, we're watching episode four of Gundam Seed, Silent Run. Kind of a slow episode this week, to be honest. It might be a little bit of a short episode. We had kind of a short episode last week, so hopefully we have enough to talk about. But this is one of the slower ones. We're four episodes in now, and th- last week we had a huge one.
1: It was pretty good. A lot of stuff blew up.
2: So it makes sense to go slow. We would be on Thursday now if this had a Toonami run, which it didn't. Which is, I guess, a good time to put a slow one.
0: Yeah, Friday is definitely when we want the action-packed ones.
2: Who's going to start watching a show on Thursday? Or four weeks in? Well, that
0: depends. You know, the one thing I miss about Toonami, thinking about it, is all the awesome Flash games they made to promote the shows they were airing.
2: Yeah, but Adult Swim has kind of taken up the mantle. Yeah. And and just produced good games. Have you played Duck Game yet? No, I haven't. I've you seen should, it. You should look into that, Tyler.
1: Tom was the best thing, I think, about Toonami.
2: He is pretty good. Tom is back, though, and still around. And Toonami's kind of a thing again. It has Attack on Titan and Prince of Tennis, I think. Wait, Attack on Titan on Toonami? Yep. When are they airing that? Right before Adult Swim on Saturdays. Okay. I think it might actually be part of Adult Swim, technically. That's an okay time
0: slot, because like, during the weekday... You know what? Little kids watching Attack on Titan. Holy crap! <laughs> Nonsense. That's perfect for little kids.
2: They add some well, other super violent anime. That Surprised me too. Maybe Tokyo Ghoul. Oh yeah, that definitely aired on. That one Seems tsunami. Like pretty one violent. Point. I never. I've
1: never actually watched it. But that's because Hulu has way too many ads.
2: And it- we're a Gundam podcast, not a Tokyo Ghoul podcast. <laughs> we could be. I watch a lot of stuff other than thing. We could be a
0: High School of the Dead podcast, Jeremy. We could sell our souls out for we that. We could be a
2: One Piece c- I podcast. I own a High yes, School of the finish Dead. finish that.
0: <laughs> we should just do that. We might finish it by the time we're 40. Nope. No, I love One Piece and I don't...
2: 40. I don't love One Piece enough for that. Fun sorry, I bought another Gundam model this week and right next to it was a SH Figure Arts of Sailor Moon that really nearly got put in my cart.
0: <laughs> nice. Where are you finding these? Are they like... Most
2: of them are Amazon, but I needed more razor blades, so I went to Hobby Town. Okay. And they have a pretty nice selection of them. Which one did you get? Uh, Freedom, because I know I'm going to build that. I got to finish my Gundam, though.
0: One of these days. These are actually pretty high-quality models. I'm sitting here staring at them right now.
2: I'm buying real grades, which are the sort of... They're high-quality, low-scale.
0: What's the difference between that and the master grade?
2: Master grades are larger. Okay. I think real grades are also slightly higher quality than master grades, but not by much. Perfect grades are huge and the highest quality. Getting back on topic, Gundam Seed. Like I said, slow episode that's sort of going to bridge stuff today. Some light character development, a little bit of advancement, but not much going on. So like I said, hopefully we'll have enough to talk about, but I, I guess th- we'll see.
0: I actually found this episode really useful for plot exposition too. Yeah. There's a lot of background stuff going on.
2: I'm still curious about your feelings on episode two. I know you didn't hate it, but...
0: Eh, it was okay. I felt it was kind of slow.
2: So, we break tradition right away. The last couple of episodes have started with a sort of expanded recap of the last one. This just starts with Kira being PTSD. That's exactly how I was going to describe it. After seeing his home colony destroyed
0: last episode. His hands, like, shaking on the control panels as he's staring shell-shocked out into space in the debris field of what was once his town, while the Archangel's trying to get his attention. Everyone on the Archangel is flabbergasted that the colony could have been destroyed.
2: Except Ensign Badril, who's still trying to get Kira's attention in the base. Eventually, he's like, oh, oh yeah, I should tell them something. Like, I'm still alive.
1: To be fair, it does not look like it should be that
0: easy to waste one of those colonies. No, it doesn't. It's definitely a traumatic event.
2: Kira starts heading back. There's some cool continuity in that the boomerang on his Gundam isn't there. Oh, uh, I didn't even notice that. Here's where Kira reminds me that his parents actually lived on Heliopolis. For some reason, I always think they didn't, but... I did
0: assumed he was an orphan or something. No, they reference his family
2: Yeah, times. I assumed he was in college and they were Away. on Earth. But no, he says, I hope they made it out okay. But anyway, he sees one of those lifeboats, like the one that Kigali was in last episode, that's stranded and he grabs it. So this would be an excellent time to have Kigali come back to rejoin the cast. I don't know if they're trying to set that up or not, but... He takes it towards the Archangel, and Ensign Badgerol gets upset with him because who authorized taking random refugees into the Archangel? Yeah, to be fair, it, it is, left is a pretty terrible idea. Yeah, I can definitely see where Ensign Badgerol is coming from. It's a bad c- tactical decision. It kind of emphasizes how Kira is not a military person, which also the PTSD did.
0: Well, it's both. He's not military. He's kind of a bleeding heart, and he's not trained to follow orders.
2: The officers on the Archangel are discussing what their plan is going to be. Mu recommends trying to outrun them, but one of the two Zaf ships is fast enough to keep up, so they opt not to. And Captain Ramius decides to let Kira in with the refugees, she says, just so they aren't arguing about it.
0: As a matter of scale here, it shows you a scene of inside the capsule, and there are a ton of people in there. The Gundam is enormous. But it can't be that big. I mean, that thing's probably at max
2: 10, 12 meters tall. Talking about the real grades again, they come with scale pilots. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's actually kind of awesome. They only come up to like the foot, so they would be pretty big. The scale is a little off though, although I'm not really sure how many people are supposed to be on the lifeboat. I was thinking about that. It's like 60 at most, probably closer to 40. I was thinking 40 like 20 be, or I'd, 30. I'd like to point out just how terrifying this would be if you're on board that lifeboat. <laughs> yeah, because you don't all, know you who's picking you up. There's no windows on it. Yeah. you're just All of a sudden you're just being moved around by something. Although they are supposed to have propulsion, and don't, so yes, it w- I agree it would be scary. But well, and then he just dropped. Yeah, it would be kind of startling. Though they all have sweet seatbelts, so hopefully they'll keep them safe.
0: That's true. Although we also clearly see Flay on the lifeboat. Yeah, He's and out.
2: Kigali's not there because they decided no, let's not get her back. She's way too interesting. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be a fake out or not, but I realized that that's the last place we saw her, and she looked like she was going to be important. She doesn't have a name quite
1: yet in the series, but like she looked important. She had lines. She's in the opening scene. She's in the yeah. opening scene. She clearly has a different model than everybody else that's in the background when they're on
0: Heliopolis. Yeah, she has a functional face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the other NPCs do as well, but...
2: <laughs> Speaking of NPCs, the captains are... Ca- I keep calling them captains. The officers continue talking about actual. what sort of plan mm. they want, and here we kind of get to see some of the Earth Alliance's positions... Yeah, how they're built up. They feel less like just a nation state, like some of the Earth alliances and other Gundams, and more like a collection of countries, because they want to go to a nearby base that's controlled by Eurasia, but there with the Atlantic Federation, and since they're a super secret project... They don't
0: necessarily want their allies, who are potentially enemies at some point, to know about that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels more like an
1: alliance of nations, rather than, this is just what we happen to call ourselves.
0: It's like uh, when I worked for the government, we had a classification where, like, Australia and England could see our stuff, but we also have classification where no one can see our stuff.
2: So they're debating between going to the moon, which is far away, but where their forces are, or a closer Eurasian satellite base.
0: Known as Artemis. Which, again, which is Which apparently closer. has a defense umbrella.
2: Yep. Gets, Gets rainy, yo. <laughs> yeah. Space Z- rain. ZAFT is big on space global warming and space <laughs> and weather terror, so they need a the space umbrella.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It protects you from the space lack of ozone.
2: So they decide on Artemis over the moon because it's closer. And hopefully Zaft will assume they're going to the moon. So then Kira sees Flay getting out of the lifeboat. His birdie makes him look like a total dork by going after her. But she's just elated to see him. And she says the best thing that you can ever hear a crush say, Oh, hey, I know you. You're that friend of my friend, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love how I,
1: when he's going in, he stops his momentum in space, which is actually, they're usually pretty good about the traveling momentum with characters in vacuum or low-gravity situations, but he, like, just pulls up and starts slowing down before she jumps into his arms, asking him about the fact that they're on a ZAFT ship.
2: It's pre-physics. Flay assumes it's a ZAFT ship because it has a mobile suit, so she at least knows that much about the war and geopolitics. But he's like, no, it's totally an Earth Forces ship. Don't worry. Hey, hey, Sai's even here. But, but, boy, am I glad. Oh, yeah, he's super stuttery because, you know, he's talking to his crush. Probably the most he's ever talked to her. Yep. And also, Kira is super awkward. They
1: did not bring that across in the dub.
0: They not didn't really do that in the sub, either, honestly. So after that, right. we
1: jump over to the, uh, I can't remember exactly yeah. which one of these it is, which one is his flagship, but we got Rollo Crusade talking to his uh, captain on board their ship.
2: Yeah, and he says, ah, oh, this is nothing compared to the Bloody Valentine. It'll be fine. We need to go catch that Archangel. And this guy's like, dude, we have no mobile suits. Kira destroyed them all. It's like, what are you talking about? We have four Gundams we stole. It'll be fine. Didn't you see how cool Atherin was in that?
0: Also, we got all the data we needed already, so we can totally just trash them if we need to.
1: Because uh, we don't need to actually look at the hardware they used to make this stuff work. No one needs
2: that. Nope. And Atherin gets a nice angst scene. Kira comes back with Flay. Everyone is surprised to see her, and she goes and hugs Sai. And then Kira's like, Sigh.
1: <laughs> this part always made me wonder a little bit, though, on the Archangel. Where and why does it have artificial gravity in some points but not in others? It would make sense that you wouldn't really have a lot of it in the docking bay where the strike is, but why does the bridge not appear to have gravity?
2: It usually appears to have it to me. Yeah, well, this- a lot of
1: times you'll see move drifting.
2: That's true. Like, you'll see characters droosting. Moo just so casual, he doesn't care about gravity.
1: <laughs> but then in the living quarters area, it always has gravity.
0: It's probably all low gravity, so that if you're not moving, you stay where you are, but you can shove yourself
2: up. Yeah, and Gundam has always had those like people movers where you grab onto something that's anchored to the ship and it moves you and you just don't gravity. Well, so, and the Archangel gravity, has bro? those, <laughs> but we don't really see them in use as often. Well, it's specifically the living quarters that it
1: doesn't seem to ever have issues with floating. And it just seems odd that you'd have gravity generators for one very specific part of a warship.
0: Yeah, that is true, because now that I'm thinking about it, there's a scene later where Kira's, like, hopping down off of a bed or something, and he totally just jumps down, like, full gravity, so...
2: Maybe the animators are to blame.
0: Yeah. Or it's the not writers. A, it's not a big deal, it just struck me as odd as all. It's one of those inconsistencies, but... Anyway, we get a scene at the bridge as they're discussing their plan to try to pull off the title of the episode, A Silent Run.
2: They're going to shoot a t- heat missile decoy towards the moon while they just activate their engines, turn towards Artemis, and just let Inertia take them. And Moo is like, man, I hope
0: it'll work. Unfortunately, Raul Le Crusade is too smart for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, see, so here Raul Le Crusade is the genius thing where he figures out their plan and then he sees their decoys like, no, that makes me even more sure. So try to prove that he is a smart capable commander what do you guys think of this scene because the first time i saw it it definitely worked on me it seems a little cliche now and i don't know if that's because i'm more in tune with stories or if i know where this character is going or what it is
0: i actually found it kind of cliche watching it for the first time and not really knowing anything about him i don't know it's a character archetype i don't mind it's a common trope right
1: It kind of works, in my opinion. It does give off that feeling of, not necessarily this character is really intelligent, but more of, or if he falls for the ploy, there's no
2: conflict. That's true. Necessarily. But but he could send his other ship after the missile and just go after the...
1: He seems a little bit too certain that it's a decoy, especially with how
2: much he wants to take that down.
0: I actually think that this is meant to establish a bit of conflict between the ship
2: captain and himself, so... It it seems more like it goes towards Moo to me, to be honest. They're very clearly foil characters for one another. And Mu is the one who comes up with the smart plan later on to deal with this. And they almost seem like the chess masters, even though Mu is not the captain.
0: Mu clearly should be the captain. He just abdicated because he doesn't like responsibility.
1: He actually has a good reason in the other episode, because he doesn't know what the ship can actually do. Yeah, Yeah, neither does.
2: (laughs) And he's the only one who can pilot their one jet.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: that's
2: true. That's That's important.
1: It actually makes sense. It's a brand new warship. He doesn't actually know everything that's on it. He Someone need could to, say, though. like, why don't we use these? We have those? <laughs> <laughs> How yeah, long have we have had these? These would have been so helpful earlier.
2: So, Rao comes up with a plan where the faster ship is just going to go ahead towards Artemis, get right on the border of Artemis's weapon range, and turn around to cut them off, while the other ship just kind of chases them and forces them in. We get a shot of the inside of the, uh, quarters. the Yeah, Zaph quarters, and
1: their beds don't have any buckles or anything, and they clearly don't have gravity in that area. Because they get
2: hit, and Atherin starts floating away. So I can only imagine you waking up, and you're just kind of floating down the hallway. And Atherin is staring at empty beds, being angsty about McGill and Rusty being th- dead. I Atherinx. <laughs> then we have the nice... Splashback? I catch. I catch. Why can't I think of what a night catch is? Hi, it's Jeremy, your host, who's getting more and more used to podcasting all by himself. Thank you for listening to episode four of It's a Gundam. Glad to see you're still with us. I have been doing absolutely everything I can to mess up a podcast launch. I did it the week iTunes isn't working, so that's great. Every single tweet I've done has been wrong in some way. So I'm bad at Twitter is what I've really learned. We put the wrong email link in our episode description, even though I'm pretty sure I said the right one out loud. And I managed to mess up the launch of episode two, and it wasn't out for almost a whole day. So it and episode three went out at almost the same time. So thank you very much for sticking with us through that. As a reward for you, we are still giving away those prizes. A Master Grade Freedom Gundam 2.0 model kit, 8 MS Team on Blu-ray, and 8 MS Team on DVD. If you want to enter, all you have to do is send us an email telling us how bad we are at launching a podcast at Gundam at com. I'm sure that's the right email. So if you sent one to the other one, I apologize. Please send it to Gundam at com. Or you can enter by using a tweet with the hashtag Gundam podcast. You can enter both ways if you want. Double your chances of winning one of those prizes. You have until August the 15th to do that. So go ahead, do that. Hopefully you're enjoying. And if you are, I will get out of the way and let you continue the episode. We get the eye catch. The Archangel is accepting some refugees. It's Apparently, Now they've got a ton of civilians instead of six. Do they just have like, a card reader on board to be like,
0: okay, who are all of you people? That seems like it should be standard technology. I'm surprised that everyone has their cards, is the big thing.
2: (laughs) Well, if they're just, like, driver's licenses.
0: Yeah, that is true. When do I not have mine? Then we get all the uh, teenagers.
2: They're kind of explaining stuff to Flay, and she's like, what? We're even less safe now that we're here? Say it ain't so! And the English dub has her being (laughs) greatly melodramatic.
1: We do get that shot of Kira realizing I might have screwed up here, and
0: dragging them into this. That said, if they had just been stranded there, they might have starved to death, so...
2: As in war, there are no good options. Well, we really don't know how long it would have taken
1: for help to reach them.
2: So then Moo shows up and is like, Hey, Kira, you have to take care of maintenance on the Gundam because it's yours. (laughs) Kira is not happy about this because he doesn't want to be a soldier.
1: What strikes me as odd that, they're like, you're responsible for maintaining your machine. What are the mechanics doing? There's the Mobius... (laughs) And the Gundam. he's got argu- an entire maintenance crew doing absolutely nothing.
0: I think his argument is uh, you have to go tune up the operating system you rewrote because no one else knows it. But Could
1: be. I, I don't interpret it that way, but it that always, makes sense. It always sounded to me like he was saying, you've got to take care of it. You've got to actually do Even the Even though he has
0: no knowledge about it. You've got to change it. the oil. You've got to change the phase shift oil. Gundam needs new spark plugs. <laughs> so... Basically, Kira's like, I don't want to pilot the Gundam because reasons, and Mu's like, well, I guess we'll just all die then. (laughs) And Kira's like, ah, you asshole. You had to play the guilt card. Well, and then he
2: goes further and tries to be a little inspirational with the uh, line that will be the opener of this episode, I think. We're the
1: only two that can protect the ship.
2: Yeah, and if you have the ability to make a difference, you should use it. And Gundam Mm -hmm. is all about shitty teenagers becoming useful members of society, so... (laughs) So what do you think about Mu as a mentor, Tyler, since this is your first time seeing it in action?
0: I mean, it's like if I grew up to be a space captain, so clearly I love him, so <laughs> I would be mentored by Moo.
2: He's always seemed effective to me, but he is a little passive-aggressive here.
0: I think that's kind of his way. Like, he's just not an aggressive person, right?
2: Definitely not.
0: So <laughs> well, he can be, but I think when dealing
1: with people, especially I think he is also kind of supposed to show that he read Kira pretty much perfectly in the time he's known him, because he first shows up and... Knows he's a coordinator. Knows that he was flying the thing. Knows how to get him to do what he needs to do. He just seems like he knows all the
2: right buttons to push to make Kira do what he wants. And then we get the kids without Kira talking about him behind his back. And they tell Flay he's a coordinator, which makes her nervous. And they're like, no, nah, he's not with Zaft. And Murielia goes as far to say, yeah, he's our nakama. Or his cherished friend in the English version. Which yeah. is super awkward. but Which I think is also odd because... Kira seems like he's sort of an outsider to the group. Toll and him are definitely big friends, but I think that's Mirielia trying to show support for Kira more than...
0: Yeah, although Kira hangs out with Toll and Toll hangs out with Mirialia for obvious reasons, so clearly Kira and Mirialia would spend time together. And,
1: well, that's also kind of a problem of we don't get how they interacted before this all happened. So it's entirely possible that the whole group as the unit hung out a lot, and we do know that they at least work together, because in the first episode we see them all working at Morgan rate together, minus Flay. So they were all there, we just don't get too much of them working together before the uh, things go sour.
2: My interpretation, and some of this is based on stuff we learned later, is that Sai is sort of the center of the group of friends, and Kira is friends with Tal, but kind of the outsider. Oh, so it's like how we were all
1: in high school all connected
2: through Chris. Yeah. I was talking about how Mu and Rao are clearly foil characters earlier, Now we get Atherin coming in to talk to Rao, and we get him doing some commanding, and sort of similar doing some not-quite-life advice, but... I actually really
0: like the parallel between the two scenes.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, so let's go over the Rao scene first. I don't know why, but I'd never actually
1: seen the parallel here. I should have. It's such an obvious thing. (laughs) It just completely slipped me every time.
2: Rao, like Mu, is pretty chill. He's like, yeah, Atherin, I'm not going to punish you, but I do want you to explain, because... It's not like you desert and steal the enemy's mobile suit to go fight. That we stole already. <laughs> so Athern explains, hey, yeah, the strike is piloted by my friend Kira Yamato. In the Japanese sub, he says we went to military prep school together. Yeah. I think that's a mistranslation because really? Kira never refers to going to military school at any other time. And he, he, he never says he was in said, the military. He
1: says a lot of stuff like, I don't want this me- making me a soldier. And technically, military school,
0: kind of by default. Trains you to be a soldier. Trains you to be a soldier, it trains you to be an officer,
2: generally. But... And the dub just says we went to school together. It doesn't say anything. I about think military. he
0: said th- I, sh- I think he
1: says lunar prep school. Yeah, th- that th- would make a lot more English sense. Dub,
2: I think that's what he says. That sounds right.
1: But it's been a while since I actually saw the English version of this, so I'm not sure.
2: So Rao's like, yeah, that's ironic. Okay, I'll take you off the sortie because obviously that will be bad for morale, and I don't want to make you shoot your friend. But then Atherin is like, no, you should let me go out. Kira's naive and being used, and I can convince him to defect with his sweet Gundam. And <laughs> Rao says okay. So again, when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, Rao is a cool guy and a good leader too.
0: But <laughs> I felt like he was guilt tripping Athrin into going out. Yeah, actually, yeah. I always felt like he was just being a manipulative guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my that's my
2: reading now. But again, I know what Rao's
1: end game is. Well, I think it's because the way the voice actors did it differently from Rao and Mu. Rao sounds like he's always manipulating something. Yeah,
2: but he has that mid-Atlantic accent that only allows him to sound like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just how the voice actor
1: did it, but he always sounded like he was manipulating things.
2: But they both come out as calm leaders who have the best in mind for their uh, subordinates and are trying to get them to do their best and live, which is cool contrast. But again, Rao definitely more sinister of the two. It's the mask. So the Archangel detect the Versalius, which is Rao's ship, passing them. But the Versalius doesn't see them. Because and
0: apparently th- they don't look out the window. Well, <laughs> in theory,
1: a window on a warship in space is a terrible idea it to is. begin with.
2: And then they realize that the Gamow, which is Rao's other ship, is chasing them. Mu immediately identifies the plan, which is cool. Again, it works as foil. And again, it makes Mu seem like he's really familiar with Rao. They
0: seem to think very similarly. That's how they never killed each other. Just imagine if Moo actually got a decent vehicle, <laughs> he might have killed Rao forever ago.
2: He may have, and he that might be where this is going.
0: That's or, true. I don't know.
2: Or Rao might get thirty upgrades like Moo gets, <laughs> <laughs> like Moo gets to hang out in jets. <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: but we passed over like one of my favorite lines from the series in the English dub. Obviously, Moo figured out the big plan that Rao's coming after him with. And he tries to come up with a counter plan. And he tries to come up with a counter plan, but the way that they presented it in English, I missed how they presented it in Japanese. It's a little but. better,
2: but it's it's not great. But it is better than the super awkward English. And since you brought it up, Zach, you can tell us how it goes. Well, in, hey, he, it, which is one of the guys go, hey, Moo, do you have a plan? And uh, Moo replies, with, I'm getting ready to think of one. <laughs> no, it's not
1: even getting ready to think of one. It's I'm getting ready to think about it. I thought in the English when he says, I'm getting ready to
2: think of one. No, it's even more awkward than that. Yep. Okay. So, the red
0: alarm is going off, and we get a quick view of all of Kira's friends with a bunch of civilians at a table. Miriaria is, like, smiling happily at the sound of the red alarm. Like, everyone else looks panicked. I'm like, Flay there, Yeah, look at her. She's like, huh. Ah. I think that's more of a resigned
2: <laughs> smile. Yeah. Flay of, was oh actively
0: smiling, which I didn't notice it the first time.
2: She's I, like, I love danger. <laughs> to me, it really comes off like she's trying to have a pleasant face on so that Flay in particular doesn't panic. And then when they say Kira Yamato to the bridge, she reacts visibly. That is true. And they're like, man, I hope Kira fights because if he doesn't, we're, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so then Mary Elliot goes to Tall and is like, hey, shouldn't we maybe try to do something and tall agrees because tall as we saw last episode is a man of action
0: so as a natural consequence they all
2: enlist they don't <laughs> actually enlist they just volunteer and they're like hey if you're gonna be on the bridge you need uniforms so like the white base where the civilians helped operate the ship yeah. that kira's friends are going to help with cic and so. ensign
1: Badru is clearly not interested but she also thinks they're just there to bitch
2: yeah and so kira bumps in them and like wait why are you guys wearing uniforms and they try to cheer him up like hey we're gonna help we're going to be useful. Cause... It's not
0: just you in combat anymore, Kira. We're going to help. Question mark is, where do they have all the uniforms? I imagine they'd have some extras on the ship.
2: Yeah. In their size. There are a lot of dead people.
0: That is also true. There are a lot that of dead people. That is true.
2: <laughs> so this is really, I think, about trying to cheer Kira up, raises morale. I really like it. It's kind of a sweet scene.
1: Yeah. One of the bridge crew tells
0: Kira you should probably wear a
1: Yeah, you should suit. wear a
0: pressure suit because being vented into the vacuum of space would probably not be comfortable.
1: Unless you're into that. They actually make use of the fact that you can actually use 180 degrees and just general
0: rotate yourself around without losing momentum.
1: Yeah, you can do a lot of things in space that you can't do on the ground. And a lot of things that take place in space don't take advantage of the fact that you can be moving backwards at the same speed that somebody else is moving forwards. Yep. Provided you don't
2: stop yourself. But here they have that kind of awkward thing where there is sort of a hill, so to speak, because they can't get that close to Artemis. And there is maybe a 360 degree solution to that. I'm not saying there is because the Versalius could probably just reposition to stay in their way. But I just like the fact that they show that, yes, we have thought this out. Whereas in a lot of shows, it's like you still get broadside combat. Gundam generally tries to be kind of hard with its, its sci-fi, especially the original, which this is riffing on. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you also have stuff like G Gundam, which you have (laughs) magical martial art Kamehameha Gundams. But you
0: also got to see a uh, quick glimpse of the Artemis umbrella, which is apparently like an energy shield that covers the entire station.
2: So Kira and Mu meet up in the pilot lounge, putting on their suits, (laughs) and Kira's like, "Yeah, you were right." Oh, also, I forgot to talk about when Tall and Mirielly decide to enlist. They repeat Mu's words about if they have the power to do something, they should try, which again makes Mu seem like an inspiring and powerful leader again he's the kirk
1: Kirk's talking about it, and we find out what all of his friends are actually being trained to do on the bridge
2: and Moos like okay i'm going to tell you my plan but i'm going to tell it to you off screen so we know it will succeed yep and they have a brief talk about how you know no one wants to fight for just the sake of fighting they do it Mostly for reasons people i like the motorcycle
0: helmeted pressure suits that they have they're pretty, they're pretty cool. sleek also some Gundam pilots who fight for no reason Domone, he just likes fighting No, he's looking for his brother. (laughs) Kyoji! Also,
2: he has to prove that his dad isn't evil.
1: That is true. Have you seen this lady? There's a really cool scene of launching the Mobius and the strike.
2: It it kind of feels like they're reaching for time because they're almost there, but not quite. And this has been a slow episode, but again, it does look pretty cool. The Mobius goes ahead. The plan is basically the Archangel will shoot forward looking like it's panicking. So Moo can sneak up and attack the front ship while Kira defends from the rear.
0: But we're still not actually privy to the details of the plan that just kind of happened off screen. So. Yeah, Kira
2: says it in like a second. The strike also gets a pretty long launch, and I like the Gundam catapults a lot, so that's cool. With the like lock on the feet and well, the throwing them forward. Especially because we haven't actually really seen them
1: launch. I really like that this is really the first time the strike actually sorties for combat. That we get yeah. it up close. And so we get the whole basic process of it, locks, it down, locks in. It gets its equipment, and then it fires off into space. And they do shorten it later, but I really like that this particular one. you get First to see the time full out, launch. you see the whole thing, yeah.
0: Does the Gundam bend its knees when being launched? Because I feel like it would just yes. topple yeah. over
1: yeah. otherwise. Yeah, it, it, so, like,
2: it does a whole pose thing.
0: Okay.
1: It's actually shown in the opening. Yeah, it's probably true. It, part it, right it
2: almost looks like it's jumping at the end of the catapult. I always thought it kind of did. I mean, it might. I, you can also say it's being launched. Anyway, Mariellia is now in charge of telling people when to launch. She's a Clearly. general
1: combat controller. She's his contact with the ship.
2: Again, she's trying to raise Kira's morale, so she's not exactly flirty with him, but very cheerful and almost parodying, like...
0: What's-her-face? World
2: War II babes. <laughs> she's, like, the opposite of Ensign Badgeral. And so the strike for this mission is equipping its third and final pack, the Ale Striker, which... The ale Striker? <laughs> we will see a lot of this one. Yeah, this is the most popular one. Your comment about a sword owe oh, a sword last week makes me pretty sure it's supposed to be the Air Striker. But Aeol sounds foreign, uh, so I think that's why they just I assume they for the chose, English dub.
0: I assume they chose Aeol because all, a lot of their weapons are named after big German things, and Aeol is a German word. Well, so. that,
2: that could be, too. So Atherin in the Aegis is still in the ship that's in front of them, whereas the other three Gundams are to the rear. They all get ready to launch. Rau's like, hey, Atherin, remember, you're going to kill Kira if you can't convince him to join us.
0: Just remember that, okay.
2: (laughs) And and Atherin did say himself that if he couldn't convince Kira, he'd shoot him down. He did it resolutely.
0: That is true.
2: Although he was pretty mopey when he did. The episode ends with Kira doing the full launch sequence, like Zack was saying before. It's nice and slow to give it some weight. And Kira, like he will many times from now, says his name and then the name of his mobile suit and that he's launching.
0: I also really like the uh, way he pronounces strike when he launch, or pretty much any time he says it. Yeah, I mean... That's because of the awesome Japanese accent. Like you said, it sounds cool. I wonder if it's a if it's a translation thing and they're trying to match the flaps or something like that cuz
1: he always has a tail end thing in a, in the English version. What do you mean a tail end thing? Well, like in this he just says, you know, Kiriyamoto taking off. Yeah. The- but in, in in the English dub he has like this weird like let's do it at the end of that Oh. It's it's really
2: weird. <laughs> well, that's just a Gundam thing because in Japanese that it Gunnam ikibas And that Ikiboss gets translated a lot of different ways. Like, it's really noticeable in Build Fighters, which has only been subbed. It's always Ikiboss, but they will translate that a lot of different ways. But, like, taking off, let's go, let's do it. It most
0: literally translates to let's do it, but it doesn't have a literal translation in English. So, mm.
2: so that's the episode. Like I said, a slow one, but it has a lot of emotional impact. There's definitely a lot of character work and development.
0: And I actually really like this one because it like showed a little bit of the tactical interplay between the two ship captains. Like it's established... Well, I, I'm i calling them... Ship Mu,
2: advisors, I think is yeah, the better word for them. Yeah, that's probably...
0: Because neither of them are technically the captain, but both of them are clearly in charge.
2: Yeah, and this helps establish Mu and Rao as foils. Episode two was kind of already entirely devoted to that. But this shows them their intellectual equals, not just pilot equals. Yeah.
0: Overall, I actually really like this episode. There's a lot of exposition that I found valuable because I had no idea what the hell was going on in this universe. So, Like,
2: like what specifically? Because I kind of agree, but I, last week we found out the, what naturals and coordinators were. We found out a little bit more about Zap. This week, I feel like the only thing we really learned was a little bit about how the Earth Federation alliance works.
0: Yeah, that is true. I guess we also got just a bunch of character interaction, which is probably more what I'm thinking of. Well, it is pretty important to know how exactly they're going to work against one another. But, like, and we learned what holdings the Earth forces have, and it seems like they have actually most of the tactical positions, so I'm kind of surprised Zaft hasn't been
2: just, like, outmaneuvered. They have sweet giant robots, and... Uh, super competent OS writers. <laughs> that is true. It's
1: a very important thing to have.
2: So, there weren't many mobile suits in this episode, but it was about in the short end. Do we want to rank something this week, or should we skip that this week, you guys think?
0: Well, we do have the new loadout for. Yeah, but it hasn't strike. done much yet. That is true. I was thinking
2: we would write the Mobius Zero.
0: Okay. I can do that. All right. It's clearly better than a Mobius.
2: Yes, it is clearly better than a Mobius. You're definitely right about that. I really like funnels, and that its entire thing is funnels makes it pretty cool to me.
0: Funnels are one of the best things. In I Gundam. actually like the
2: Mobius a lot. So we think it's better than the normal gin. I know you like the gin a lot, Tyler. I kind of do. It's got funnels, bro. That is they true. They attach, They can shoot things. I do like funnels. And it's got a big main cannon. That is true.
0: Main cannon fire. I'm um, uh, not
2: a big fan of that main cannon, to be honest. It's mostly useful for when the barrels are maneuvered you into it. I like it more than the gin, though. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. Alright, do we like it more than the Strike sans any sort of weapon pack? It's certainly more flexible than
1: the Strike sans any weapon pack. It but doesn't have daggers, though.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: so the Strike has awesome daggers and a Vulcan gun. Yes, but <laughs> if you stay away from it, it's not going to hurt you. The Strike is also a Gundam. It gets colors when it turns this armor on. That's
2: true, it's definitely better colored. I
0: don't know, I'm
1: really partial to that co- to the Mobius' coloration, the Mobius Zero's coloration. The orange?
2: That's, like, honestly, the one thing about it I'm not crazy about.
0: Me, too, but. I like that color. Yeah, I think I like it better than the default strike, though.
2: So how about the sword strike? Do we like it more than that? I do. The sword strike is weird for me. I think it's an excellent model. I really want one. But that's mostly, I think, because you can do a lot (laughs) of cool poses with that sword. I don't super like it in motion. It's mostly that I'm not generally fond of mobile suits without reliable ranged weapons. I like claymores. I'd take the sword striker. So, Tyler, sword strike, better or not better than Mobius Zero? (laughs) I think better. All right, so currently number three, of the Mobius Zero, will sit above the naked strike and below the sword strike. And that's it for this episode. Next week, we are back into some action scenes. Like I said, the stage is set here. There are four Gundams and a Mobius Zero and three battleships ready to rumble outside of a base.
0: The question is whether the base is going to help them, because I feel like that's kind of necessary for this.
2: So next week, we'll find out in Phase Shift Down. Bye.
1: the space map and the data on the two vessels.
2: Do you have a plan?
1: I'm getting ready to think about it.